Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. So Louis on the line, actually. Say oh, is, it, is yeah, he? Yeah. Hey, Lucifer. <laughs> Keith, how are you? Oh, it's great listening to these stories of the pod. I remember tugging on your um, on your on your 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 trousers, short, trousers. on your trousers. I remember <laughs> tugging. Jeans. I remember the boot. I remember the fact, Keith. You always give out to me. You say I'm bitchy. You say I'm cruel. You say I'm mean. The reason you didn't sing lead vocals in Boys Don't is because you were too good. <laughs> I, you were too good. I didn't want people exposed to a voice that explosive too early. You can sing. Ah, oh, Louis, you've made my day. It's what I've been waiting all these years to hear. Thank Kate, you. Thank you so much for ringing in. Can bye, we bury bye. the hatchet? No, can we bury the hatchet? <laughs> hey, where? <laughs> where would you like me to bury it, Louis? <laughs> <laughs> you always had a sense of humour. Ah, so let's just say the conversation was very mm, civil when Louis Walsh phoned in to talk to my special guest on this episode, the one and only Keith Duffy. Listening to them, it's as if there's a little bit of a backstory there, and it turns out that there is a backstory, and Keith reveals all during our conversation. Because Keith Duffy is not only a very sound guy and a great storyteller, he's also incredibly open and honest. We got into all sorts of interesting areas. We were in the room for about two and a half hours, uh, and he told me stories about how he got discovered for Boyzone, what it was like in the very early days playing in tiny little venues all over Ireland to hostile crowds, his relationship with Louis Walsh, building his new band Boys Life with Brian McFadden, and what he thinks of my gift grub impression of him. How are you, buddies? With a lot of your comedy, it's it's well thought out, it's quite clever, and it's not cheap, and it's not it's not it's not a low blow. Mm. And and anybody that that kind of would have any type of a problem or an issue with that is bonkers. Louis was afraid that the creation was going to become bigger than the creator, so he'd insult you in front of your heroes. I know he introduced me to Bono once as Keith from Boys on the Can't the one that can't sing, mm. you know. And straight away you're put on your back foot and you're and, and you're degraded. The blokes absolutely hated it. They'd throw ice cubes at us. If there was a balcony in the nightclub <laughs> above where we were standing, they'd pour their pints over us. Um, we had no security. We, we, it, was, it was a DAT tape that yeah. the DJ would put through. Yeah. He'd play the music and we'd do a, a choreographed dance and pretend to sing the song. He was in it with Colin Farrell. I knew Colin well because we'd, we'd hang around Grafton Street as kids. And Colin Farrell. Is that right? Yeah, and Colin, yeah. Colin, Colin used to rollerblade up and down Ball Street. And he auditioned for Boys Own. He as did, well. yeah. But that's why he was in the picture yeah, with Shane. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, God, he really missed out there, didn't he? But. Um, <laughs> Such an honest, open, and likable person is Keith Duffy. He'll enjoy the full chat in just a couple of minutes' time. But let's turn to another very likable person for a moment but one who may not be as open and honest as Keith Duffy, or so at least many uh, are claiming. That's what the opposition parties in government are claiming. Uh, poor old Pascal Donoghue uh, and his election expenses and donations. Um, what is going on? We got access, exclusive access, to his voicemail. Listen to this. Hello, you've reached Pascal Donoghue. Minister for Public Expenditure, leave a message after the tone. P.S. I'm so sorry. Uh, Pascal, it's Leo. Uh, stop saying sorry all the time, will you? Listen, we've got to find a way out of this. I say we just hang tough, okay, until it just goes away. You know, the news cycle, just they'll take up something else. Jeez, I thought I was the poster boy for Finnegale. <laughs> yeah, dark horse, yeah. Uh, Pierce Darty's going around like a dog in heat, by the way. Hiya, Pierce. Hiya, Leo. <laughs> okay, chat later. Uh, how are you, uh, Pascal? Uh, this is this, this is Bertie Hearn here. 
a same constituency as, as, as yourself. Uh, Pascal, I'm glad to see that you've finally uh, gotten into the whole uh, dodgy donations area. I suppose it was, it, was, it was only a matter of time if, you, if you're sharing the same bed with Fianna Fáil, the, the dogs and, and the fleas uh, spring to mind. Well, <laughs> anyway, myself and Ray Burke and Porrick Flynn are, are meeting up for a pint later in Fagan's uh, uh, to celebrate the, 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 the return and the good times, if you, if you want to meet up. We, we, we'd love to see you there. A few friends of mine uh, who'd love to meet you as well. Thanks. <laughs> How are you? Uh, this is Jason here from Snap Printing. Um, we did your printing in the, the posters there in 2016. Listen, the prices you're quoting um, on the television there, they're totally different to the ones we sent you. Could you could you get back to me, please? We need to reconcile those um, for our own records. Thanks very much, boy. Pascal, this is Father Niall Murphy here in Christ the King Church in Cabra. Yes, Pascal, of course, of course. I'd be delighted to hear your confession any time. Just uh, come on in and I'll be um, there. Thank you, Pascal. Pascal, this is Pascal. A message to self. What were you thinking? You were always the best boy in class. Now look at you. What are you now? A bleeding scumbag like all the other dogs. You make me sick, Pascal. Boy, Pascal. Pascal, it's Bertie Ahern again. Oh, yeah, now. We're having the crack up here in Fagan. We're having a sing song. Get up here, Pascal. Come on, lads. One more time. Donations once again. Donations once again. <laughs> An exclusive comedy every week on the Mario Rosenstock podcast. And if you want to come and see me in person, my new tour. Uh, Gift Grub Live 2020, 2023 is starting on February 24th in, in Castle Bar, the Royal Theatre Castle Bar. And I am going all over the country. I am coming to you, buddies, as Keith Duffy says in Thailand. We are coming to you all over the country. I'm three nights in the Olympia Theatre. Two are sold out in April, uh, mid-April. I'm four nights in the Cork Opera House. I think three of those are sold out in March. I'm in the INEC in Killarney on March 17th. Paddy's Day be Jesus. I'm in Mullingar. I'm in Galway twice. I'm in um, UCH Limerick twice. I'm in Kilkenny twice. I'm in Mullingar. I'm in Waterford in the lovely Setu Arena. Um, and I'm pretty much everywhere around the country. So please come and see me. Um, put in Mario Rosenstock, uh, Ticketmaster or Gift Grub Live Ticketmaster and you'll get there. Um, also, if you want to get into co- contact with me, it's MarioRosenstock at gmail.com. So many of you do. So many of you also send long, lovely emails to me and I'm really appreciative of that. I get back to 95% of them. Now, let's talk about Keith Duffy. If you listen to the Ian Dempsey Breakfast Show, you'll know that Keith is one of my longest running and most popular characters. Um, It goes all the way back to about 2007 when I had him um, presenting an episode of The Box. If you ever go back through the sketches um, on any albums um, or even look it up online, Keith Duffy The Box, you'll see his original incarnation there where he presented this absolutely inscrutable, opaque, Byzantine, labyrinthine um, quiz show which nobody could figure out how it worked. Um, so this is Keith, and I asked him first how he felt about my impression of him, buddies. How are you, buddies? How are you, buddies? How are you, buddies? It's Keith introducing Keith to Keith. How are you, buddies? Okay, lower him down again, will you? Do you know why I'm starting with how are you, buddies? Because the audience will expect it. Absolutely. So the audience will Give expect... Give them what they want. Give the them audi- what they want. The audience will expect me to ask you about how are you, buddies? How are you, buddies? And how do you feel about how are you, buddies? So basically, to, to, to roll back the years... I've been doing an impression of uh, Keith Duffy. I started with Boyzone and I started with Keith Duffy and Ronan Keating. And I used to do Ronan out of Boyzone. And quickly, short, shortly after that, I said, there's more in Boyzone for me. And there was Keith. 
And I started doing them as How are you buddies? How are you buddies? Well you weren't the first I hate to tell you Go but, on. but you were very close to it Who was the first? Well, a guy called Chris Bisson Who was an actor in Coronation Street mm. And when I first moved over to Manchester After I signed my contract with Corrie um, I had nowhere to live And Chris invited me to stay in his house uh, Until such time that I found appropriate accommodation for myself And uh, I woke up one morning with a cup of coffee uh, Lying in bed He came in with a cup of coffee went Morning buddy <laughs> <laughs> Now he's, he's from Manchester And yeah. he's got a Manc accent But Obviously, uh, you know, I was known over there for, and then, and then. But I, you were I, not, well, he couldn't have known Buddy. No, 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 no. Buddy, I promise you, because I used to say, how are you, obviously I was saying, how are you, Buddy, to okay. all them over there. Yeah, okay. And he came in, he went, morning, Buddy, want, want yeah. a cup of coffee in yeah. his Irish accent? Because yeah. he was the only one that did a, did a good Dublin accent. Yeah. People do Irish accents all the time, mm. but they don't nail the Dublin, no. right? And then coming, coming home in the evening, he go, how are you, Buddy? <laughs> Right, and he was the only person, and, and his Dublin accent was brilliant. Yeah, and we used to celebrate that in the pub because the other lads in the pub would be doing Irish accents because I was there. Yeah, nobody picked up on the buddy bit except yeah. Chris. But Chris Bisson, who played Vikram and Curry, and now he's in Eastender, right. or now he's in um, in Emmerdale. Right, he's been in those shows for years, and uh, and even to this day, I was over with him on Monday night. Um, Monday just gone and um, my dad's anniversary first anniversary was Sunday and I went over I kind of buried my head in the clouds all weekend and I had to be in Manchester Monday so I went out with all my old friends in Manchester just to kind of raise a glass to the happy memories of my dad and I, I was in a place called Nutsford in Cheshire and he was he was late <laughs> to arrive and he walked in and went how are you buddy yeah, but he yeah. doesn't know Mario Rosenstock no, no. he doesn't know that no. that show or, no. or whatever you've done so yeah. it's quite ironic but that's where it started and then I realised when you start doing it so you know um, honestly um, I thought oh god I, I didn't uh, do you know where it comes from you know when I was growing up before Boys On and the start of Boys On people down the pub going alright bud mm. how's it going bud mm. alright bud and it kind of struck me one day going when they say bud what do they mean mm. is it buddy mm. it must be buddy mm. so I think it would be a little bit more personable mm. to actually say the whole word mm. so that's why I stopped purposely saying bud because I, th- I thought it was a bit of a I thought it sounded quite mm. um, aggressive mm. and I wanted to soften it a bit mm. so I used to go how are you buddy mm. And then you picked up on it and that was that. Yeah. But the reason, I, I, I say hello as many different characters. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. Obviously I say hello as many different characters that I do. But when I walk onto stage and I need a quick laugh, I'll go, hey buddy. And everybody knows who I'm talking about. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean they should laugh. Why are they laughing? The reason they're laughing is not because I'm hilarious. It's because I summon up you in their mind. And what are you in their mind? Funny. <laughs> you're kind, you're, you're, no, you're, there's, something, there's something very likeable about you. Well, thank God for that. Optimistic, gamey, likeable. And I kind of get that into my character. Um, character and I kind of project that. That, that, kind of, that kind of durability, likeability, up for a laugh, game, um, you know, and 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 well, with, with a lot of your comedy, it's it's well thought out. It's quite clever, and it's not cheap, and it's not it's not it's not a low blow. Mm. And and anybody that that kind of would have any type of a problem or an issue with that is bonkers. You know, there 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 are other people that have taken me off before on radio, right? But it's cheap. Yeah. It's not clever, right. and, and it's insulting. How have they taken you off? It's insulting. It doesn't matter okay. because what I'm saying is you've never insulted me. In yeah. whatever you've done, I've always found it funny. Yeah. There's other other people on the radio and on TV that have that, that have you know tried to take off Keith Duffy before. Okay. And, and they'd make up stories and they'd write out anecdotes or whatever it might be. Mm. And it's actually it's insulting and it's rude and it's cheap and and that I can't I can't abide because yeah. if it's not clever comedy, I'm not interested. Yeah. So for example, so so you so you're okay with it? I'm uh, absolutely with you. 
you. Yeah. I'm absolutely fine. And the other thing, so I would, I would, I developed it as you know. I developed the character a bit. And well, I remember your TV show. You mm. opened it every week. I think you had four or maybe six episodes. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, six episodes. But, but it was coming out during the summer, I think, because we were playing a <laughs> lot of right, golf at the time. Right, yeah. You know, and and I think there was one opening of one show. Your line in yeah. the bath was, "How are you, sudies?" And then there was another time you're walking through a, a, a certain kind of builders providers, and you're going to the car park with your mullet and your black V-neck T-shirt, and you look up and go, "Ah." How are you, Woodies? Yeah, and then, and then there was, there was another one, one that, in the golf course. There was another one in the golf course. Yeah. I came out in the golf course and there was a load of carts behind me. That's and I right. just went, how are you, buggies? <laughs> uh, but then the last one, episode six, right? I went, this was the, this was the weird one. Okay, because I don't every, know if I know this one. Every, no, this, you didn't know this one because everybody was going, well, what will he do at the beginning as Keith? Which one will he do? So there was this, we went into, we found a pet shop, right? Right. With loads and loads of budgies. Right. Right? <laughs> okay. Right. And there's just budgies going, wee, wee, woo, 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 woo. Door opens. I walk in with the T-shirt and the muscles. I look at the camera. I open my mouth and I just walk by the camera. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> because it, was, it was obvious. Because the audience, yeah. the audience were going Hell to go, you budgies. Hell you budgies. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we took Very the character good. to another level because... The other thing I, 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 when I'm always doing a character, I'm thinking, well, what else is there in, what, what else do I feel in this person? And that is that, and this is, this is kind of a little bit more made up by me now, but there's a truth behind it usually. And that is, you know, the way, um, like you're from Donna Mead, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think you'd, you'd happily describe yourself as from a working class background. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you have a Dublin accent. Yes. But it's softened quite a lot now, I think. It has, yeah. But a lot of people with Dublin accents sometimes adopt a slightly more formal voice sometimes when they're in public call it their posh telephone voice okay and that is when they're explaining something they actually kind of slightly tailor their voice to make sure that the person that is listening to them knows you're not talking to a dope here and so this is what we we invented this thing called keithypedia <laughs> and keithypedia yeah keithypedia was basically if you have a problem understanding something really complex, Keith will explain it to you in his posh voice. So, <laughs> in his phone voice. Yeah, in his yeah. phone voice. So Ian would go, right, I don't know if anybody understands because I don't understand this Nice treaty. Does anybody understand? Oh, Keith does. Keith, Nice, explain. How are you, buddies? Nice is easy. Nice is a treaty as opposed to your brother Porig's daughter, Orla. Right? Treaty is in agreement as opposed to a Mars bar you have decided to eat after a workout that lasts four hours and all this. So we would go on and explain these words. So it's kind of putting on an extra posh voice. I've, I've actually heard a few. They understand they've, what they've, I am talking they've about. They've been copied and they've been WhatsApped to me <laughs> while, while I've been away touring and not knowing what's going on in the morning. There you are. <laughs> you are doing it now, buddies. I know. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of the softening of the Dublin accent yeah. was working most of my career outside of Ireland, mo- you know, most predominantly in the UK, and having to repeat yourself if you stay in your Dublin accent. Okay. So if you don't want to have to say things two or three times... Spell it out more. Just, you know, pronunciate yeah. your yeah. vowels better yeah. and just yeah. talk. Yeah. Talk better. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Now, yeah. there's another side to that as yeah. well. When you're growing up in Donamede and, you know, my mum and dad tried their best to give us the best childhood we could we could ask for um, they didn't have a lot of money but they certainly gave us plenty of love and whatever but we did live in areas um, where it, you know you might have gangs that hang out together and a little bit rougher than the way I was brought up and you would actually 
um, uh, put on a little bit more of a Dublin accent you know what I mean yeah uh, just when you're kind of talking to people just to make yourself sound a bit tougher you know what I'm saying no right? it's no problem it's, it's, an, it's an insecurity because you're afraid that they're going to like bully you or beat you up and all you know what I'm saying nobody's going to fucking bully you right not with you with me I know but if I'm on my own you got a phone, have you? I got a phone. Give us your fucking phone. No, fucking way. Give us your phone. No. Give us your fucking phone. Oh, hurry, hurry. Here you go. <laughs> We've just made another podcast there. <laughs> there you go. Two guys talking about having their phone stolen. Yeah. But it, was usually, it was usually my trainers in the start of Boys yeah. On. But just walk, a- walking down the Donnemead to Hope Junction train station. And I, I grew up in a place called Grangemore mm. um, in, in Donnemead. Um, it wasn't really Donnemead. It was the church side of Donnemead. And it was the wrong side of Rohini. You know, I think <laughs> Rohini would have been the posh answer. You know, where are you from, uh, Rohini? Look, look at the first night, that infamous night on the Late Late Show when Boys Own were on with Gayborn for the first time. Yes. And he went by, what's your name? Keith Duffy, where are you from? Rohini. Shane Lynch, where are you from? Rohini. Shane and I grew up in Donnemead. Mark Walton, who was in Boys Own at the time, he was from Grange Abbey, which is part of Donnemead. Yeah. Right? The three of us all said... Rahini. Yeah. <laughs> and that was because you were trying to keep... You were we, were trying, we, were, we were trying to put our, our, our phone voices on. Unbelievable. <laughs> it, it wasn't a planned thing. Rahini, well done. Yeah, well, yeah. It wasn't here planned. Here they are. Can't sing, can't play. I go nowhere. Yeah. You saw them here first and then, and then you know, the whole country just yeah. turned against us then. What, what? Yeah, I was just wondering, like, you know the way they say that Take That is just a marketing yeah. package? That's right. Very well marketed. Yes. Is this going to be the this same thing? This is exactly the same. Yes, yeah. they go... Or to is, very is, well is there some realistic... No, they've no talent whatsoever. <laughs> Nothing. They've no, they've no talent whatsoever. They don't sing, they don't, they don't write music, and they don't play instruments. And they'll they probably be very successful. Sorry, you don't play any instruments or have any songs? No. Do, no. Do, do, do. You do. They don't. Do, do. They don't. They're lying. They don't. Just a little respect, please. Yeah. Yes? No, I thought they might be more like the Chippendales on them, bother with what's that. <laughs> that. <laughs> Listen, what do you expect? Come on, they're only starting, you know what I mean? If you look back on that clip, right? You don't have to answer this because I'll answer it for you. He was fucking cruel to you. Absolutely. He was I, mean I, I, as... He was absolutely I, I, awful. Absolutely. I have no problem saying that. He, he was, was so, awful. He was so condescending totally. to, to 17 and 18-year-old boys yeah. that had a dream that had been told that they're going to have their life change. The Thursday night before, everybody knows the Late Late Show is on live on a Friday night. The Thursday night before is when the six that, the six that went on the Late Late Show were the final of auditions that had gone on for months. And we were the final six. And when we found out we were the final six on the Thursday evening in the Ormond print works that's gone now across the keys there um, and Louis Walsh said okay guys the first thing you're doing as a band is you're on the Late Late Show tomorrow night and we're going but we haven't recorded anything we haven't done anything we only have to like me and Shane grew up together so we knew each other but we didn't know the rest of the lads I said what are we going to do and he goes ah, it doesn't matter just we'll put you on the TV make something up and that's the way it was I and know. Shane's sister Tara was a, a dance choreographer at the time and there was a song that was in the, in, in the nightclubs at the time that we all loved and we thought maybe we'll put some sort of a, a choreographed dance together and, and just do that yeah. thinking that we'd get away with it but yeah. we were naive yeah. and innocent and vulnerable yeah. and, and, and lovable obviously you were and, um, and yeah and Gay was so looking back on it now he, he, had it been my kid on I would have been disgusted with him because you. we were under 18 we weren't even we weren't even you know adults we couldn't we, we couldn't vote and yet we're on an adult evening Love TV the way show you say vote. and um vote <laughs> I finished my, that was my phone see, voice you too you have to, yeah you see you could have said we couldn't vote oh yeah no but you said we couldn't vote yeah I don't want to say it twice <laughs> 
Um, and he was he was so condescending and hard. And at the time, we were so innocent, and naive. We didn't even notice it. It was only years later when that show and that clip has been shown to us a million times. You kind of think, my God, when you look back on that now and you look at the success that we had, whether you think we deserve it or not, whether you're a fan of ours or not, notice the way I say not. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know. We, we, we were young kids doing no harm and, 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 and how can somebody like that a main broadcaster of, of a tiny country absolutely rip us asunder absolutely was, I thought terrible. he was a Mino a real Mino and he rinsed in, you in fairness we didn't feel that at the time right. it's years later looking back on it but then we, we couldn't get arrested in Ireland then nobody wanted Ireland to have a pop group we were very very happy with our exports in the music business such as you 2 and Sinead O'Connor and Therapy and you know Van Morrison and whoever you you know, very credible singer-songwriters. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden now we've got a pop group. They don't sing their own music. They don't play instruments on stage. Um, this is this is crap. We don't want to get behind these guys. Now, whether you like that kind of music or not, it, you don't have to... Nobody was forcing to buy a ticket or to listen to us. So why there was so much... Um, um, animosity against us I don't really know because we were kids mm. now it did change over the years when you see the likes of One Direction coming out all those years later and all of a sudden it was okay for a boy a male to like a boy band yes. you know what I mean that wasn't actually gay Yes. you know all of a sudden it was cool and it was okay to say I really like yeah. even towards the end of Westlife because Westlife went on for nearly 14 years as yeah. far as I can remember and even by the end of their first run out um, there, was, there, was, uh, there was people saying it was cool to be fan of a boy band and, and Westlife being that boy band but but like I had this this conversation at Slam at Robbie Williams and myself and Dave Fanning were hanging out together mm-hmm. and I was trying to educate Dave Fanning on why it's okay to like Boyzone even if you don't like the music we are individuals we are people we've sold God knows how many million tickets we've entertained and and like we get we meet people and go my God we had your song at our wedding uh, a very unfortunate story my, my nana listened to your song as she passed away you know we our songs have meant so much to people that liked us that it was okay if you didn't like us just leave us do the stuff that we do for the people that do like us yeah. nobody's now, begging fairness, I think Dave Fanning would appreciate that no he did appreciate yeah. it and he understood completely hang on a second when you sell out seven nights in Wembley in a row you know what I mean and you and you went for, for a stage for a, for a moment for a time in Dublin you know down in the old point depot I think we sold nine nights in a row and yeah. U2's record was seven yeah. or something so they put a big plaque on the wall outside yeah. saying boys on it beating U2's record now if U2 wanted to do 25 nights yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they probably could yeah. but it was just a statement they were making to keep the popularity yeah. of the band going now I think two years later they replaced our plaque with Westlife's plaque saying they, they did 12 nights yeah. in a row yeah. but the point is there was a time when we were very popular in Ireland yeah. now in the UK what I've realised and noticed is uh, with nostalgia or whatever you want to call it Brian and I what we do now with Boys Life yeah. we're still selling out we're still yeah. we're having a great time yeah. where people can actually appreciate what we did yeah. and if they were a fan at the time yeah. they're going back to reminisce about when they were 16 and, and the great time that they had but for some reason in Ireland people don't want any of that nostalgia so we don't work here so yeah. as a result we don't work in Okay Ireland. I was going to go here later but let's go here now Okay fine and, and I didn't know you were going there sorry for that No no you're <laughs> going there now so I'm going to you're, you're taking me by the hand and, and leading me through the gate so I'll go there then and this is actually one of the, the interesting things I wanted to talk to you about that you do feel strongly ab- about this about this idea that that there is that, that the begrudgery is alive and well in Ireland and that you say when, when you go out into town you don't know you don't know if you're going to be offered a pint or a dig I said that once and it's come back to me a million times yeah, mm. yeah I, but, but well, let me get in there for a second okay I'm really saddened by that I mean that really I mean that from the bottom of my heart you are 
you know, you are, as far as I would consider, you are beloved by many people in Ireland. And I don't know, and I think it's sad that, 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 that your experiences would, would, would in some way reflect that. Um, you know, like, it's, it's clear that, like, for example, Boys Life are a success. You guys are selling out where, where a lot of the places you go and you're p- performing to big crowds. I'll talk to you about Qatar in a minute. You were asked to go out and play bloody Qatar in the World Cup on the 18th of December. It's brilliant. So what is it about this, about Ireland then? I don't know. And, and I don't want anybody to think that I've a chip on my shoulder about it. It's not like that at all. I'm a very, very proud Irishman. I love our heritage. I, I love our humour. I, I, mm. I love your humour. Mm. I, love, I love coming home. We're a special country. We have a great hospitality about us. We have a great family community feeling about us. But sometimes we're not very kind to ourselves. Mm. And, 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 you know, I'm living, I'm living proof of that. But are you not you loved know? when you walk into a bar? And Absolutely in, not. No, 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 no. I mean, if you go outside Dublin it's a lot kinder Is it's it? a lot kinder if I go outside Dublin if I'm down in Cork for example or if I'm up in Donegal and I go into a pub for a pint or whatever I get a much warmer reception yeah. than I do if I go into you know suburbs of Dublin bars let's say now it's not every time it's not all the time and it's not every person you can't generalise like that mm. there are certain what people what about there's big handsome Keith Duffy I mean you're a really handsome ver- guy I very rarely get that one now to be you're fair. a really handsome guy well not in Dublin you know you're not handsome in Dublin Well, no, I don't get that compliment in Dublin <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's, they're, so they're calling you a right. That's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, listen, I'm very down to earth. I've never got too caught up myself in the job that I do. Even you Which know, is another nice thing about you. Yeah, but that's down to my upbringing, I suppose. It's down to Irish mammies. Mm. You know, they, 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 they keep their boys' feet on the mm. ground, you know. And you, you start to see if, if by, you know, we've worked a great deal away from Ireland. So we've got to meet a lot of international stars and people in the same business. And you can see... Um, you know, the guys that are decent and nice and, and, and grounded, how they treat the people around are them. Are we too cynical here in Ireland or something? To ourselves. Yeah. Just to ourselves. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Bono said the difference between America and Ireland. Yeah. And he looks up at the big house on the hill and the American says, someday I'm going to be that guy on the hill. And the Irish guy guys goes, someday I'm going to get that fucker on the hill. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the story. And I thought it was a very funny story. Mm. But I, th- I thought that situation only, re- only, only kind of represented us. It was so funny mm. after experiencing begrudgery in From this country. From Bono, that Bono that had. Bono had said. Yeah. And I thought, well, Bono, but Bono plays instruments on stage. Bono, Bono writes songs. <laughs> Bono, Bono's okay. a rock star. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's not because I'm in a boy band. Yeah. So you'll have to come up with a better excuse. Yeah. It's not that we're a boy band or a pop group. Yeah. You just don't want to like us, yeah. you know, yeah. because you're giving Bono the same shit that you're giving us. At the end of the day, I have experienced negativity, unfortunately, in my hometown that I'm very proud of. Yeah, you and didn't I, give, I, you know, now, the negativity, you didn't give it the posh pronunciation. Negativity? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I can't spell it the other way, only that oh, way. Negativity. Negativity. Buddies. You know, I mean, I thought that was a play at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph, Mary and the negativity. <laughs> Jesus, merely a joke. Easily known you did Mrs. Brown's Boys at one stage. A uh, long, long time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. A long, long time ago. Now, just an image comes to me about when before you went into Boys Zone, uh, it was just somebody, it's just saying, I was dancing in the pod and I was noticed. Just tell me this. I love the story. I love, I love the stories of creation. 
Okay. Went there. So were you dancing in the pod? Yes, I what was. Tell, I was, tell I was. us the story. It, it, what day was it? For anybody that went that went to the pod back in the early night in, in the early nineties, it was great. It was the first kind of time that we turned over from a from a handbag disco to to actually a, a DJ mixing music. So it wasn't your chart stuff. It was your proper DJ kind of heavier house music or whatever. In the pod, if you went at the time, you'd know there was a VIP lounge, right? And the VIP lounge was another part of the main room that was hidden by velvet curtains. These big red velvet curtains there was and then the red rope obviously outside you know you saw all sorts of people in there um, you know uh, people that Mike, Michael Hutchins God rest his soul yeah. um, in excess and he was in there with Paul Yates God rest his soul one night the two of them together the U2 boys kind of frequented the place quite often with Cookie and Gavin Friday and all that crowd um, and, and they were all the famous people that you kind of get a glimpse of when you be dancing and now and again you might get a space to dance on the speaker on the stage because it was a live venue as well as a, as a, as a dance hall um, and you know there was a great night I remember to kind of divert for a second but there was a great night that Prince and Bono got up on the stage and it was just yeah. it was just phenomenal you know there was only a few people in there but anyway we anybody that was in there wanted to get into the VIP room but how do you get in there you don't right so I was standing on a speaker mm. always wanting to get into the VIP room but not knowing how. And it was my first time to, to, to meet gay people. I'd mm-hmm. never really known any gay people. And I was very aware that half of the audience were gay. And I was nervous because I, I didn't really have a great education on it and I didn't really understand it. So, um, I, you know, I, I wasn't in any way homophobic. I was just uneducated. Um, so, and I was straight. I was very, very aware of my sexuality and it was, I was, you know, I was straight. So, I loved the atmosphere and I loved the friendliness of it because in a lot of nightclubs there could be a lot of intimidating people mm. especially when you're 17 or 18 and you're going to Club M or somewhere and there's older guys there it can be intimidating mm. um, but in the pod it was never intimidating it was always so friendly people were kind people were nice to each other now as it turns out now people weren't really drinking an awful lot mm. back then you know the, the love doves and, and yeah, ecstasy was, and everything yeah, a lot else of ecstasy, yeah. a lot of stuff going on yeah. like that in there so so people were very friendly happy. everybody was hugging everybody and everybody <laughs> was happy you know so it was a nice environment yeah. that you never felt you know worried for your life or anything yeah, like that people were loved up yeah it was friendly so I'm dancing away with me with me with waistcoat on on the speaker and this guy is, is pulling the ankle of my jeans because I'm quite a bit <laughs> higher I'm on stage on a speaker and he's kind of calling me down and I can't hear him because I'm on a speaker and it's boo, boo, yeah, boo, yeah. Boo, you know the sound yeah, yeah. So and he's going I want, I want to talk to you so he's kind of mouthing to me yeah. I, want to, I want to talk to you and, and I'm thinking oh no this is a proposition uh, from this man and yeah. I, I, I like women and I'm going no 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 no, you're grand you're grand you're grand and he's kind of gesturing to me and it looks like I want to talk to you in the toilet yeah. which I don't remember if you remember the pods toilets they were great they were like a big waterfall on this big mirror do you remember them I they're, do, yeah. they're really cool yeah. but he didn't mean that at all obviously yeah. he meant in the, in the, in the VIP mm-hmm. room but I didn't get that and he just wouldn't go away so I because I couldn't properly hear him so I got down and he said can I talk to you inside for a few minutes in the VIP room and I said I'd never be allowed in there they'll never let me in there there's two big bouncers on the door and I had no idea who Louis Walsh was nobody did really back no, then you no. know, unless you're into he the Eurovision famous. he wasn't famous he wasn't famous at all he was, in he the was well known circles. in industry circles yes exactly so we went in there and we sat down in the booth and, and there was I can't remember who was in there that night but I was impressed by the celebrities that were in there that night and um he, he, he said to me, you know, he said, and we couldn't hear each other talking. It was quite loud. So he brought me into the back room behind the bar and he asked me, could I sing? 
And I said, well, I, I have sang in karaoke a few times and my dad's a singer and blah, blah, blah. And he said, okay. He said, you know, can you sing something for me? And I said, what, what do you want me to sing for you? I said, this is a bit uncomfortable. I said, can we, what is this about? You know, he said, um, would you like to be in a band? Now, at this stage, I was already very aware that there was a band being put together because Shane Lynch, who I'd grown up with, and although I say that, myself and Shane were never best mates. We, we were, we were, there was a couple of years between us. We were very aware of each other, um, but we possibly would have been in competition with each other with local women, right? So we went mm. and we were chalk and cheese, completely mm. chalk mm. and cheese. My mother was a hairdresser, mm-hmm. so I'd have the blonde streaks in my hair and the, and the mm. perm in my mullet. Mm-hmm. You know, and Shane, Shane's father was a mechanic. Mm. So Shane was oil from ankle to, to, to neck. Mm. He was into his motorbikes and his cars and mm. I was into my clothes and my hair. Mm. So we, we were chalk and cheese. Mm. And we, we did get on in the gym, we spoke. But um, when Shane appeared for the first time in the Evening Herald on the front page, Irish answered to take that, I think was the headline. He was in it with Colin Farrell. Yeah. Right. And I and Col- I knew Colin f- uh, well because we'd we'd hang around Grafton Street as kids. And Colin, is Farrell, that right? Yeah. And Col- yeah. Colin, Colin used to rollerblade up and down Ball Street. And he auditioned for Boys on. He as did, well. yeah. But that's why he was in the picture yeah. with Shane. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, God, he really missed out there, didn't he? But um, <laughs> but I knew Colin from the pod. And and yeah, Colin was a very very what well, is a very good looking he man. Is, he and, is. and and it was it was then. It's, it's getting better looking. He's getting. Yeah, he's getting better with age. But Colin used to wear a little kind of a tinted moisturizer back then, or or. or a false tan whatever you want yeah. to call it but he has sallow skin anyway he does, yeah. but um, when it dried out you, you, you noticed it in his eyebrows yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I said are you wearing false tan Carl you know so we, you we guys were so ahead of your time yeah, with so, your... Sorry. Well, unbelievable Absolutely. working out in the gym for 1992 yeah. Colin wearing the tinted moisturiser age yeah, 17 yeah. and about a, a year later he was teaching line dancing with a guy That's called right. Skip over here somewhere mm. no, right. uh, break, uh, no for break for the border break for the border break for the border so anyway so Blonde and myself, my wife, right? We used to want to go for a late night drink and we go down to Elephant and Castle. Yeah. And uh, we were. Uh, Robbie uh, Fox. Yeah. Ro- Elephant and Castle in yeah. Temple Bar. And, oh, yes, yeah, and, yes. The chicken wings place. Colin used to let us in. He was working. Oh, that's right. He, he was a waiter. Well. That's right. He worked there. And as Colin well. would open the door for me and Blonde and go, come on, come on. Right, right, right. And Colin would give us the chicken wings. Yeah. <laughs> And you know what? He hasn't changed. He's still brilliant. Oh, he's, he's a beautiful still, man. He's still very grounded and it's everything else. And his guy. success is phenomenal. But, yeah. you know, w- with any job that you do, the longer you do it, I, 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 you know, especially if you have a great interest in it and you care about it, you will, you will get better and better and better. And I recently watched True Detective for the second time and his performance in it is fantastic. I mean, he, he's had, you know, he's had an amazing career mm-hmm. and, and it's great to see what he's doing now. Anyway, just to say, fair play yeah. to him. But, um, uh, yeah, so Louis said to me, yeah, can you? I said, hang on, I said, is this, because is I had said to Shane Lynch in the gym, get, get me an interview with that guy that's putting the van together, man. We could work together. We could do the band together because we had done the stripping together. So let's do the band together. <laughs> but I don't think Shane really wanted me kind of, you know, creaming his glory at that stage, you know, because the interview with Louis never came. So it was completely coincidental yeah. when Louis said to me that night, and I didn't know who he was, and I didn't know he was the guy putting yeah, the band yeah. together. And he said, Can you see, I'm putting the band together. And I said, Hang on, is this the band with, with uh, Colin Farrell and Shane Lynch? Yeah. And he goes, Yeah, do you know the lads? I said, Yeah, yeah, well, Shane lives down the road for me. Yeah. And I know, Sha- I, know, I know Colin from town. Yeah. And he goes, Oh, that, great for him. that, that makes for a great friendship yeah. already. Yeah. He said, Brilliant. Come to the Ormond Key at seven o'clock yeah. on, uh, on, on Wednesday night. No, yeah, he yeah. never asked. He says, come into the Ormond Key yeah. at, at, at seven o'clock on Wednesday night. Mm. They'd withered it down at that stage then to about maybe 100, I think, I don't know, maybe 50, I can't remember. And that was the night, that was the Thursday night, actually. No, the Wednesday night. They withered it down, brought us back the Thursday night. And it was the Thursday night that they, fi- they picked the final six to go through. Yeah. And wasn't boys on at the 
time it was the Irish answer to take that and that's the night we went on the Late Late Show with, with, with Gayborn Give us a few um, give us a few early pictures um, we always used to hear a story about Boyzone and it was, it was about the Machiavellian nature of Louis Walsh really um, and he used to bring them around Ireland, for example, doing clubs and doing disco halls and gyms and everything. I mean, they were in a van. They were like they were like Scooby Doo mixed with the A Team going around in yeah. vans. Well, in the in the in the UK at the time, pop groups were were everywhere, and girl bands, boy bands, whatever. But in Ireland, we hadn't got any. Mm. So, in the UK, the, the nightclubs were set up for the pop groups to do PAs, public appearances, where they do three or four songs. Um, so Louis tried to replicate that in Ireland. And this goes in the Glenties in Donegal or down in Cork. And you'd go around in a big van. And we, we had, we just wasn't a big van, it was, it was a van. Yeah. Um, with Trevor the driver, Trevor Smith the driver. And there was myself and the lads and we weren't allowed to have girlfriends. And even if you did, you had to keep on the, on, on the down low because, you know, our, 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 fan, our fans were predominantly women and we wanted to make sure that we were available for them, yeah. you know. Uh, but we would play in nightclubs that never had a band doing a PA there before mm. and we had songs recorded but we hadn't got the we hadn't the facility to sing the songs live so they were all mimed we were miming in the early days and they segregated us in to a part of the night that people looked forward to more than a boys on performance which was the slow set mm. And in the slow set, if you remember back then, it was the time that the guys would ask the girls if they wanted to dance. Mm. Are you getting up? Mm. Right? Is mm. what we'd say. And the girl would say, yeah. And you get up and you go on the dance floor. Right? And you put your hands around her waist and she put her arms around your shoulders and you, you just turn around in the same spot to some really kind of um, 80s power ballads. Yeah. You know, that yeah. they were all about love and, and love sick and kissing and stuff. And then if you got really brave, her head would be tucked into your shoulder. Nothing's going to change my love for <laughs> you. You want to know my love how much I love you. <laughs> there you go. You'd pull your head back a little bit and you try and get the snog on, you know. And if you got the snog on, right, you might even drop your hands a little bit and have a little pinch of her bum, right? <laughs> So, <laughs> so instead of having your slow set where the boys are all kind of sketching what girl they're going to ask to dance you've got these five lads from Dublin getting on a, a stage that's literally two dinner tables mask and taped together because they weren't used to it and they hadn't got a stage for us mm. so do two dinner tables mask and taped together with a black felt top thrown on top of it and the, we're all stood shoulder to shoulder <laughs> with no room to move mm. doing eight songs miming right and the blokes hated it the blokes absolutely hated it. They'd throw ice cubes at us. If there was a balcony in the nightclub <laughs> above where we were standing, they'd pour their pints over us. Um, we had no security. We, we, it, was, it was a dat tape that yeah. the DJ would put through. Yeah. He'd play the music and we'd do a, a choreographed dance yeah. and pretend to sing the song. Yeah. You must think, looking back though, some of the best days of my I life. Was, I mean, you, can't, like, you couldn't write it. There's a great book. There's a great, there's a great movie in it, right? But Ronan and Stephen, myself and Shane were in the gym. We were big lads and we'd get intimidated by other guys in the clubs. And we were wearing orange boiler suits because we hadn't got money to wear stage outfits. And Shane's dad owned a, a garage. He was a mechanic. So Shane got five sets of overalls out of the garage, right? Louis and John Reynolds, God rest them, they, they, they got a bit of um, swag together to try and sell at these gigs, which were just the logo that we that we kind of picked at the time. Mm. Black T-shirts, plain black T-shirts with the logo printed on front of them, mm. which we ultimately ended up wearing as part of our stage outfit yeah. underneath the orange outfit. Mm. So the orange overalls. So myself and Shane would have our T-shirts cut into like a vest style T-shirt, yeah. right? To show the muscles, right? Yeah. Um, I remember, <laughs> I think Stephen cut his into a belly top. 
Now, Ronan only rolled his sleeves yeah. up to show the biceps. Mikey gave himself slashes, yeah. Like yeah. just cut slashes into his t-shirt. Yeah. And eventually the top of the overalls come down and you tie it around the waist. Mm. And that's the way we were. But I remember in the Glenties in Donegal, I got a little bit heated one night. I think somebody got, I think it was Stephen got his lip cut with a guy through a twopence and sliced his lip open. Jesus. And um, it looked like he was going to get a bit, a bit trouble. And like our dressing room was the, was the toilet the men's yeah. toilet across the other side of the dance floor so we had to go through the dance floor off the, off the table and chairs that we were standing on yeah. which was our stage yeah. through the, 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 the crowd and you get a lot of girls screaming and loving you but nobody really we were on the front page of the Herald that's, and, and we were on the Late Late Show that's all it that, that was the extent of it yeah, though at the yeah. time and then you get blokes just being jealous because we've robbed them of their slow set. So I'd have Stephen under one arm and Ronan on the other arm running like a bull through, <laughs> through the audience on the dance floor to get to the men's toilets to change out of our overalls back into our jeans. That's great. And I think we got a bit paid about 30 quid each for the whole weekend. <laughs> this is the thing that I've realised over the years. You're playing, you play big gigs to 30,000, 40,000 people, right? And you become used to that and then you might do an outdoor gig in Hyde Park for 125,000 people and then you end up back in some theatre hall in Hull in the middle of nowhere and you're backstage and you're looking at posters on the wall that's been there for 20, 30 years and you see who's come before you and you realise everybody has to start somewhere and, and it doesn't matter where you've where you reach where you've gone to it's where you've been don't forget to look back you know and even having said that you know the tours that Brian and I are doing at the moment we're doing some yeah. of the most beautiful venues around the UK but they're all the old city halls theatre halls yeah. town halls and the history backstage is just phenomenal yeah. and the people that have gone in front of you you know don't put that kind of pressure on yourself as a performer because like you say, success is not a destination, it's a journey. And that's part of your success is these small venues. It's brilliant to go back having done all the big venues and doing these venues now that are up 1,900 to 3,000 or whatever. Uh, and it's, it's fantastic. And that's massive. Was it true that like he, he used to t get a limo to the airport and then drop you off at the bus stop a mile down the road? No, no, no. What it was was he, he, he would, he, we'd have a van hidden around by, the, uh, by um, what's the shopping centre there on Parnell Street, on the top of Parnell Street? Ilex. The Ilex Centre. So he'd be around on, on, on Parnell Street is it Parnell Street beside the Oilac Centre it, it is yeah so we do you remember the, it was called the Royal Dublin Hotel at yeah. the top of O'Connor Street yeah. so Louis would, would, would leak that that's we're, we're going to gig on a Friday night Saturday night and Sunday night we used to do the weekends mm -hmm. and it would literally be the Glendies and Lundigal yeah. then down to Cork and then maybe up to Kilkenny or somewhere yeah. like that and we'd literally have a limo pull up outside the Royal Dublin Hotel on a Friday evening and we get in the back of this stretch limo they all stretch limo that, like they use for funerals yeah. right and that, that was that was supposed to be the limo the limo would literally only go around the corner and Trevor Smith be rating in a, in a white transit van to bring <laughs> brilliant and that was it um, I'm, I'm intrigued by this I love creation I love the, the but it works it works it does perception work. works it does it does work and Louis was a genius at it so there was a point where you became like really famous and as boys own Really famous. No, really famous. I mean, famous enough to like front a, sun, a Saturday night on BBC television. You know, that Boyzone are turning up. Everybody in England know Boyzone. England is, is like the home of feckin' rock music. You know, England and the United States. And Boyzone are like the biggest band in Britain, biggest boy band in Britain. And uh, when did you kind of first realise, fuck, I'm fucking famous. Well, this is what I was going to say to you about Louis. I never really did because Louis, Louis was afraid that the creation was going to become bigger than the creator. So he'd insult you in front of your heroes and, and it would be really, really oh, difficult. Give us an example. Well, um, I mean, I, I know he introduced me to Bono once as Keith from Boys on the Can't, the one that can't sing. Mm. You know, and straight away you're put on your back foot and you're, and, and you're degraded. You're, you're completely degraded. And he'd he done that to me quite a lot. I'd, I'd quite a... 
I was I, what he didn't realise was I was quite shy and I was quite sensitive and I hid that by being boisterous. So as a result, people thought I was very confident because I was boisterous, but really I was hiding my shyness. And it's only when you get older you realise that you realise the character you wear. I think Louis was afraid that I'd, I'd allow the success to get too big and ultimately maybe possibly discuss, be the one that discussed changing management or, or whatever, which never happened really. Um, but yeah, he, he'd put you down. He'd insult you in front of your heroes and it would just knock the socks out of you. So there was never really a time that I recognised the fact that, God, you know, I'm, I'm really famous. It was years and years later when my kids were showing me stuff on YouTube that I'd forgotten that I had done. I was going, wow, we were fucking huge. Jesus. I mean, it was, it was before Boy's Life started with Brian because that started as an autobiographical show, more so than a concert. And we were trying to come up with stories. You know, it was like kind of instead of writing a book, kind of like what Bono's just done with his book. You know, he's written the book, but he, he, he went out and done a certain amount of performances of, of, of segments from his book, which I was lucky enough to see in the Olympia. And his performance was absolutely phenomenal. It was brilliant. Now, it was my idea. But um, as that's, that's, that's I said, I, I came up with this concept. Instead of actually writing a book and releasing it, perform the book, tell the stories. That's, that's how Boy's Life was born. I was going to do it on my own and then I brought Brian in and that's how Boy's Life oh. was born. But um, there was a story about performing in, in Modena for Pavarotti and, and, and uh, friends for the Bosnian and Chernobyl children and stuff like that, a huge gig. And I'd completely forgotten that, that, that I was there. And Jay, my son, showed me a clip and it was in front of 200,000 people outdoors, going out to 2 billion people on cable. And uh, the, the camera comes across and it's no matter what. And, and um, Luciana Pavarotti singing in, in full operatic, you know, no matter no what. No matter what they just, tell me. Just, just amazing, you know. And looking back on that. And then at the end of that show, we were all on stage singing, we are the, you know, we are the world, we are the children. Mm. And I'm sitting, I'm, I'm sharing a microphone with B.B. King and, and um, Joe Cocker. Ah, oh, yeah. Right. You are so beautiful. Yeah, like yeah. amazing. And yeah. I'm sharing a microphone with the, on the video as the camera kind of sweeps across. You've Mariah Carey, you've Shane Lynch, you've Rona Keaton, you've Gloria Estefan, you've Ricky Martin, yeah. you've Stephen Gately, you've yeah. Enrico Iglesias, you've uh, Joe Cocker, you've Keith Duffy, you've yeah. B.B. King, you've you, you Lionel Richie, yeah. you know, and... My kids are going, holy shit, dad. You know, I'm going, oh, I know, I never saw this myself before. Yeah, that's, <laughs> inter- oh, that's interesting, isn't it? You know? I never saw this myself. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and, and it's only your kids showing you. They go, wow, that's how much we were respected outside of Ireland. Which brings me to yeah. a recent Late Late Show appearance that we had that hit all the papers for the wrong reasons because Shane Lynch reacted. You were on the same night. I was on that night. And, and, and I completely, completely take... Shane Lynch's side on that now. And I didn't, on the night, I could see how uncomfortable Ryan was because he didn't know where to go with it. I so, broke me bleeding bollocks to get here. Yeah, that's right. And it was all over the bags the next day they were selling in the markets. Yeah. Right? They, 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 they put the quote on, on, on all these uh, linen bags they were selling in the yeah. markets and everything. I put like, it into a gift grub show on, on the stage. I oh, did, really? Yeah, yeah. So it was but like, but like, yeah. when you think about that, he did break his bollocks to get there. Do you not the think airport. that RTE using that was, 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 was a mark of affection more than anything? No, 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 no. no. Because when they asked us to go on, we were, we were selling we were doing our, our reunion tour yeah. I think it was our 25th it was the start yeah. of the 25th anniversary tour back in 2017 or 2018 yeah. and we were performing I think two or three songs on the show and being interviewed and we gave them the idea of all these videos to show where we've started 
but where we've gone to, right? And you've got the Pavarotti gig, you've got the U2 gig, the Sweetest Thing video. You've so got, they had all this? They had all of and this stuff where, yeah, we, yeah, where, yeah. where we uh, amounted yeah, to. Where yeah. we got... I busted my bollocks to get here. And <laughs> <laughs> you see that clip? You can shove work your fucking hole. <laughs> We see it as a bit of fun, I don't remember get fun. the early days. You don't see it as no, a bit of crack. What about you, Shaq? Do you find it more amusing than Shane? Or? <laughs> Come on. We were young, 16, 17 years yeah. of age. We, 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 you know, Louis Walsh had literally put us together the night before. He said the first thing you're going to do as a band is to go on the Late Late Show. Yeah. Okay, slag us off for when we were kids, when we were I 18, know. back, yeah. back in, and we got ripped apart for that. But we went on to sell 70 million albums. We went on to sell tours out all over the world. So we've earned our crust. We, we, we've learned our craft. We've served our apprentice, our apprenticeship. Give us a break. Yeah. And here we are now celebrating 25th anniversary. Yeah. And instead of showing the clip of Pavarotti and Modena yeah. that nobody's seen, yeah. or the clip where Barry Gibb goes, my favourite song was a song I wrote for Elvis Presley, but he only brought it to number three in the UK charts these next guys from Dublin brought it to number one these guys are boys on this is words what an amazing clip that is you know or show something that that the people can actually take a grip of these five Northside guys and go wow we've let you down you guys have done great you know what I mean sometimes people ring into this podcast okay yeah so Louis on the line actually say hello is he hey Lucifer (laughs) Keith how are you Oh, it's great listening to these stories of the pod. I remember tugging on your, um, on your, on your, your, your trousers, shirt, trousers. on your trousers. I remember <laughs> your tugging. Jeans. I remember the boot. I remember the fact, Kate, you always give out to me. You say I'm bitchy. You say I'm cruel. You say I'm mean. The reason you didn't sing lead vocals in Boys Don't is because you were too good. <laughs> I, you were too good. I didn't want people exposed to a voice that explosive too early. I heard you singing Anne Murray earlier on. I heard you singing Rick Moranis or whatever it was. Nothing's going to touch me now. <laughs> I heard you singing. You can sing. Ah, Louis, you've made my day. It's what I've been waiting all these years to hear. Thank, Kate, you, thank you so much for ringing in. Can bye, we bury bye. the hatchet? No, can we bury the hatchet? <laughs> hey, where? <laughs> where would you like me to bury it, Louis? <laughs> <laughs> you always had a sense of humour. Kate, can we put it behind us? Absolutely. I'll see you up in the Intercontinental for a coffee in 20 minutes. Intercontinental? It's my favourite hotel. It's my canteen I know I know sure it's where we all go to see you I ate there all the time I preferred when it was the four seasons though Kate what do you think of my new band I haven't seen them Lou but they're gonna be huge massive are they they're gonna be huge they're gonna they have they have the likability factor they have it they have it like you brilliant (laughs) will you forgive me I forgive you. I love you. Why don't you answer my calls? um, You must have changed your number. I don't recognise it. Louis, some character, isn't he? But it is, but it is, it is, um, thanks Louis. It is um, important that we say this though. That, uh, like, he's very bitchy. He is, he is, he's very, very bitchy. And he, you know what, though? When you know him, he doesn't mean it. Mm. Or he says he doesn't mean it. And mm. I go, but Louis, how long can you get away with that for? Mm. Has he got a really sweet side as well? Ah, he does, he mm. does. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Louis, Louis, look, Louis, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today if it wasn't for Louis Walsh. Yeah. There's no two ways about that, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I understand why, you know, he did and said some of the things he said. Um, and he'll go on and he'll say them again and he'll go, actually, I didn't mean it, I was only joking. Mm. And he gets, he does, he says things for a reaction and it works and yeah. it's the way he's always oh, worked. Sorry, another call is coming through. Ronan's on the line. Ah, no say way. Say hello. Hey, Ro. Fair play, Duster. How's it going? How are you doing? 
I'm great, Paul. How yeah, I'm are just you? driving up the keys, listening to this. Are you back in Dublin? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm presenting a show on Magic 105.4. From Dublin? No, in London tomorrow. Okay. You know, my magic show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah it would take you a bit of magic to get you back in time. Fair play, Duster. Listen, I was just going to tell you, um, I was listening to your story there about boys' life and everything and the begrudgery and everything in Ireland. I, I absolutely agree with you. Come here, do you think we should form a support group for Irish artists who've been pissed off by the Irish people? Bono's in. He says he's all over it. He says he'll join us. We're going to do a protest tomorrow. Van Morrissey, he's going to do it as well. <laughs> Van Morrissey. Fair play. Right, great. Is Brian Kenny coming? For who? <laughs> Brian Kennedy. He works for Van Morrissey. Van Morrissey. Yeah, Brian says he'll sing backing vocals at the protest. <laughs> ah, fantastic. Listen, we can all demonstrate on the keys. Can I sing lead vocals? No. Ah, shite. <laughs> Jesus, so fair, great to hear from Ronan. That's great. That's are great. you guys, after on the record? Are you guys friends? Yes, you are. Yeah, because I think that the public might go. I'm not sure. Did they fall out? Yeah, we fell out loads you, of times. Yeah, yeah. We fell out loads of times. But isn't but that great that you could say you fell out, but you can actually make up? Yeah. How do you How do you guys make up when um, you fall out? How does it normally go? Because normally relationships. Well, have we a never pattern. really have a, a bad falling out. What What historically, when we were younger, what would happen is, um, I wasn't. Well, it all it all boils from the same thing. I, I wasn't ready to to say goodbye to Boyzone, because as as a businessman, if you like, at the time, the brand was was growing bigger and bigger every day, and and we had just been signed with a massive American deal. Um, we were we were in Universal Records when they bought over Polygram, and we were signed to Polydor, and um, there was over four hundred acts put put forward for the for, for when Universal bought over Polygram and, and Mercury and Island Music and Polydor and all them um, there was they, they wanted to they wanted to make a band a priority to be broken in the States from this side of the Atlantic and there was all sorts of bands put forward for that and we weren't too aware of that at the time and we were sitting around a conference phone in a big conference room in the record company in LA and a guy a Northern Irish guy actually that was part of uh, putting the, 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 the leaders together he um, he came and says guys I've got some amazing news for you he said you guys have been chosen as being the priority act to be broken in the world in America you're going to be on all the TV shows Regis and Cathy Lee Sally Jones the whole lot he said it's great news and we had already decided at that time between us Ronan and Stephen at the time had said they wanted to take a bit of time off. And this is back in 99, the end of 99. And we're going, no, 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 shh. Because Ronan says, no, unfortunately, we can't accept it. And we're going, shut up, yeah. shut up. Jesus, man. To break the states, this is huge. A priority act out of 400 acts. They're going to throw the money at you. This is mm. massive. Mm. Um, but Ronan had been through the wars, you know, 19 years of age. He lost his mother. He was the youngest of five kids. He was very close to his mammy. And he, he went through great turmoil. He was a bit vulnerable and raw at that he time. He was, and he needed time off. So the timing was just wrong. Yeah. And, um, you know, Boyzone broke up. It was supposed to be for a year, but Ronan went on then and done a solo career, and he extended the, the, the time off. And ultimately, then the press start writing stories about Ronan not wanting the band to get back together, yeah. and Keith's not happy yeah. with that. And the press created That's right. well, a rivalry same, same between. Same as Harry us. says. Prince Harry, same as Prince Harry says. Right. I mean, he says, like, you know, basically, that's the deal that all the newspapers in every palace and in every house they have, all the newspapers are laid out in the front hall and everybody, all the royals read them and they read the stories about themselves and eventually they become part of that bubble themselves. 
they become part of the bubble right. of the stories they read yeah, themselves. Yeah. So Will is they against be, Harry. They, they Harry's it. against Will. They start almost they playing st- the role. Uh, yeah, they actually start believing it. And that that created an uncomfortableness between Ronan and I. Yeah. And I'd gone to see, I wasn't gigging anymore. I wasn't I didn't get a solo deal. I didn't know what Would you I regard was, him as a as a as a good friend. Um, yes mm. and, and, and how I'd answer that question is that if I have a situation or something that I need to talk to somebody so about or a problem I, I would certainly give Ro a call and see what his take on it wow. is absolutely Ro, Ro is a very very professional performer yeah. you know and I realise that more and more now from my time with Boys Life over the last six years mm. the amount of dedication that has to be put in. I'm, yeah. I'm doing you know myself and Brian do um, Boys Life or Boys Own and yeah. Westlife songs you know and between both bands we've re- and, and ourselves as individuals mm. we've over 21 UK number one songs yeah. so our set list is quite extensive yeah. and our shows are very enjoyable yeah. I don't know about you but I remember Brian being a pretty handy writer Ah, Brian's a great writer yeah. he's a great writer he's written some great songs yeah. when, when he went down to Australia and he lived down there for eight years he wrote some fantastic mm. songs I mean if you've listened to his, his album Irish Sun mm. um, you know some of the songs on that album mm. the writing the lyrics very hooky you, you know you can really relate to the story mm. the Christian Brothers schools yeah. the young being a young dad mm. you know you know, not, not being appreciated Louis whatever you know having Mark and Brian Mark and Shane two amazing vocalists mm. you know and Brian having an amazing voice and being a great singer but not getting his moment at, at the front you know you can you can understand in the lyrics and how he's written them great songwriter we, we've just written we've jointly written our, our most late uh, recent album yeah. and it was a great experience for me we were in um, Lisa Stansfield's uh, studio in Rochdale and we wrote the whole album in there with this new uh, producer Jackson and we wanted to recreate what we loved from the 80s so every song had to sound 80s-ish 80s-ish yeah. had, had to be if it was a motion picture from the 80s it had to be the soundtrack top yeah. Going craddy yeah, kid yeah. had to have that hair standing in the yeah, back of your head yeah. kind of moment. I get it, you know. And and I love the album. I stand over. It. I love the album better than it's called old school because yeah. of the eighties yeah. influence. Yeah. But I prefer that album than any other album I've ever released. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what? I've so enjoyed this conversation. You're the sweetest guy. I knew you were anyway because. I, you know, off the record, I've had one or two or three, four or five in- interactions with you over the years, and I've always gotten on great with you. And you were very kind as well to to agree to do my TV show, where you're where it's like Keith meets Keith, and you know, a person who agrees to do that, they're kind of in a position going, now is this guy going to fucking try to fucking rip the sh- piss out of me and make me look stupid? But it, you had faith in me and knew. No, I, I did it for you. You did it for me, <laughs> and you made me look good. And well, no, no. Listen, thing. while you're on the con- on the, on the subject, um, you know everybody knows that I've been very, very much a big part of of autism and trying to provide the appropriate intervention and education for children with autism, trying to support their families. So to do that, I've had to you know organise and run various charity b- events over the last twenty odd years. And any time I've ever approached you, Mario, and asked you, can you help me out? Will you turn up? Will you do half an hour? Will you, you know, you've always said yes. You've always been there for me, so I'm always here for you. And I would continue to do so. I've so much to talk to you about another in another podcast maybe down the road yeah listen and because you, ha- you have me number because I looked up your <laughs> your Wikipedia and it's just unbelievable like the stuff that you've been involved in um, but also I want to know because you've been involved in so many things what's next for you don't tell me now but one of the things you really should consider doing and if anybody because the, the, the podcast has a large listenership but anybody who's involved in publishing should be listening to this there's a book there's a big there's a big bestseller in this guy if he was interested in doing it because it would be so much colour in your book but yeah. anyway we'll maybe see, some other another time maybe another some other time. time we'll talk about it thanks for having me thank you for, ha- for coming on 
And that's it for this week. Thanks a million to my brilliant guest, Keith Duffy, um, for joining me. Tune in next week. A very interesting episode. Carl Henry, for the week that's in it, for the month that's in it. Operation Transformation. Diet. Fitness. What you can do. What you can't do. But it's not just going to be a normal episode. I asked Carl some very, very penetrating questions. I'm interested, for example, in the word fat. I'm also interested in the idea that in modern day cultures, we're asked by many people to celebrate fatness. And I talk about um, BMI. Why, why so many of us are judged obese or overweight on BMI. Brian O'Driscoll, for example, would have been judged obese on a BMI scale. And we talk about so much more. Carl, a very interesting guest. Um, tune in this time next week. See you. Bye bye.